All right. Morning, everybody. Uh, my name is David Soren. I am the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, I want to introduce to you our guest speaker for this morning. Uh, for the past, oh, I don't know, 10 years or so, uh, my family and I and my wife's extended family uh, has gone up for a week up north in the summer. We go to the Park Rapids area. And whenever I travel, I love to go see different churches, just see what God is doing all around our world. And for the last number of the years, uh, we've had the blessing when we go to church up there to hear Phil Campbell uh, teach. And my wife and I just love how he unpacks the scriptures. And so we brought him down here uh, for you this morning, and I'm excited for you to hear him unpack some of Ephesians 2 for us. So let's welcome Phil to the stage. Oh, what a risk. What a risk. Uh, when someone gives you a an invite, how do you follow up? Other than this, I, it has been so encouraging. In the last uh, couple months, I've been spying on you and following the podcasts. Uh, and maybe you're not aware. There's a, you know, somewhat of a video cast from you guys, and, and I follow that. And so what it's done, it's set me up. Like, I, it'd be hard to fail today. I might do that, but. But it's like, man, you guys have been studying what it is, like your identity in Christ. And that is a beautiful thing. For, for the last couple months, you've looked at like, what does it mean to be a temple? What does it mean to be the priest or an instrument? And now you've started to unpack Ephesians. And, and so you, we start to dust off these gems of who God says that we are. And that your, your security is in the King. And then last week, you're challenged to pray through like, Man, if God were to open up the eyes of our heart, our very core, like it would unleash this, this hope that's in us. And, and that, that God would see us as his treasure, his inheritance. Not just that I inherit him, but, but he sees me as his inheritance. That's a big deal. That's a mind-blowing thing. And on top of that, as if you could top that, it's like his power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for us to overcome the stuff, the mess in our own life. And as Paul is praying that, it, it leads in, that's chapter 1 of Ephesians, it leads into chapter 2, maybe that's Captain Obvious, but in chapter 2 it's just like, what is he leaning into? He's leaning into, once our eyes are open at our very core, the grace that is available for us. The grace. And he kind of doubled down to, to try to show us what this grace is like. It's a gift. It's an amazing gift that God has given us. His favor. And we don't earn it. It's, it's, not, it's not something that we merit on our own. I even think through this lens, I, so much of the Western world, we think we're entitled to it. But know that grace was costly. And he walks that out in Ephesians 2 of like, like this is who you were and this is who I've called you to be. And I, I want to start with this little illustration because I think this kind of grace, it messes with us. It messes with my categories. And in the same way that when I started having, uh, my wife and I started having kids, it, like I thought I knew, you know, I, I was learning how to be a, a husband. And then like, what is it like to be a father? And we got this book that, that's called um, What to Expect When You're Expecting. And I think I missed a few chapters in there because here we are in the labor room and then and my first daughter is being born and it's like, oh my goodness, I just melted. This beautiful little bundle was delivered and what happened next just really messed with me. I like, I, I thought I was prepared for that, but, but the midwife then brings this little bundle that's 
little mucky. Can I say that? I mean, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Over to me, and then they hand me some sharp object, and I'm like, okay, now it's breaking my categories. I definitely didn't read this. And they hand me these scissors, and the nurse helps with this little umbilical cord, and I'm just like, what, I'm supposed to cut this thing? And so I cut the umbilical cord, and they slowly but hastily move Tori, because that's her name. Uh, we, they move her over and clean her up, but then... But then as if I wasn't shocked enough, the little nurse at this incubation station cleaning her up flips her over and starts hitting her in the back. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, I was about to throw down. I don't care if she's a woman. Like, that's my little baby. That's my bundle right there. And then it dawned on me, oh, she hasn't made a peep yet. It's not like the movies where they come out. No, no, she was just quiet, beautiful, pretty pink at that moment. And when she turned her over and started hitting her, the ambiotic fluid started coming out. And then they flipped her back over the other way, and she began to cry. And I'm like, what are you doing making her cry? It was so precious in that moment. And then they, they grab her little arms and begin to bend them out. And, and what was pink now becomes red. It's like she's infuriated. This, you know, three-minute-old baby is just like mad and frustrated. And, and everybody thinks it's normal. And I'm over here kind of freaking out on the inside. And they're like, yeah, we're trying to get her automated system going. How does she breathe on her own? She's been so dependent on her mom all these days in the womb that she doesn't know how to live on her own. She can't do for herself what she needs to do to survive. And I think through that lens, if we could see God's grace, it messes with our categories. Like, I'm not able in and of myself to do the things which he's calling me to do as a follower of him. And so it's like Paul, when he unpacks Ephesians 2, he's helping us to see from our core, as he opens up the eyes of our heart to see like his grace, it, it messes with my categories. And it, and it prepares me to be someone who I wasn't before and who I can step into mimicking who Christ is, who Christ is. And so you can, you can turn if you want to Ephesians chapter two, uh, in your, uh, Bibles that might be under your chairs, page 799. And I want us, I want us to look through three different categories as we go there today. Chapter two, verse one, page 799. And let's just, let's read through it here and process it at first take. Paul's just prayed that God would open the eyes of our heart at our very core and he's unpacked like Jesus. He's, he's the all in all. He's so full. But as for you, it says, chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, and like the rest, we were all by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, 
not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, he's going to go on and unpack a little bit more. Stay tuned next week how he, how he differentiates a little bit and, and, and begins to unite all people to kind of have the same mind, the same oneness. But as we look at this today, it's like, man, there is something. For him to point out who we once were, it's like if someone were to know the dirt on me, to, to know the mess that I have come from, to know, you know, take that to its full length. It's kind of scandalous. You know, if you think through my, what does it mean for God's grace to be scandalous? Is that he matches, he head on with, with our mess, with our dirt. And he helps us in ways that we can't help ourselves. And that is a measure of grace. Let's look at this, this text here. How is grace scandalous? And, and in order to understand the, the gospel, the good news, it's like we have to know that there's bad news. And Paul unpacks that bad news here. He's like, man, you were dead. The bad news is you were dead in your transgressions and sin. In your, in your transgressions and sin. It's like these, these layers of metaphor. He's going to go on to say, like, you follow the ways of the world and, and the ruler of the air. But let's unpack. Let's, let's not skip over transgression and sin because those are words we use every day, right? No, we don't use those words every day. If you do, I... Maybe you're a college professor. I don't know. Transgression, sin. Let's throw a third dirty word on there, iniquity. Right? These are all kind of dirty words of the Bible. Transgression, sin, iniquity. What do they mean? What do they mean? Is, is there another layer? We're not going to unpack it all. But, but at least for today, like transgression is that idea of trespassing. And sometimes that can be interchanged. It's, it's the idea that there's a, there's a barrier and, and I crossed over it. Maybe even with intent. It's like, I, it said no trespassing, and then, then I crossed it. And so it's that kind of intent of our heart to, to transgress is to break trust. I broke someone's trust, or someone broke my trust, and that's a transgression when you break trust. Sin is that idea that, man, you miss the mark. Um, it might have even been kind of inadvertently, but you miss the mark nonetheless. Or, or it's that idea of like there's a standard and I fail to measure up to it. The, the metaphor in the Bible goes back to this tribe called Benjamin. And they would throw a, a stone with a slingshot and they would never sin. So when they, threw their sin, when they threw the rock, they would never miss the mark. They would always hit it. But we fall short of that mark. So sin is like, man, it's that, that failure, that moral failing that, that we have. In our, and iniquity, I'm throwing this one in there. Because it's, it's another kind of interchangeable word sometimes. And iniquity is that idea that what was once straight is now twisted or broken or crooked, made crooked. And I think why Paul is unpacking this is like in light of the new identity that we have in Christ, this is who we once were. And we can't just like skim over that. We have to recognize, and I think sometimes for grace, in order to take its full impact, it has to... Kind of like that. We got to feel the hurt, the pain of who we really are, who we really were before Christ. And that grace is that mechanism that begins to waken us up to to our own default nature, which is to break people's trust and to be kind of twisted and not maybe share everything, but have a have a bias or a bent towards it. 
Or, or we just like fail. Ah, oh, just fail to miss the mark. And, and in that way, it's like God's grace meets us right in that moment. And so those are, those are kind of ways to look inward. But Paul says it's not just, it's not just you. It's like you also follow, you follow the patterns of this world. And that, the word world there is the word cosmos. You, you follow the way, and I don't want you to think of a globe, the little blue dot. I want you to think of the systems that, that which our culture just tends in is like not only you yourself, but like you, you're just following the flow of this world. But that, that flow of this world, it has a puppeteer. It has someone who is ruling and reigning over the power of the air. Oh, that's kind of a mind. We don't often think about that, that there's some other agency at work. Another translation would say there's a prince of the power of the air. That's, that's Satan. He's the, the ultimate deceiver of that. And in fact, it goes on to say like, like he is the spirit that is at work in, in those who are disobedient. You see that? Like, it's like the trifecta of those things that are, that we need grace to, to meet in our own life. It's like me, myself, and I, yep. In, in my own spoiled, dirty, scandalous tendency, but also the world in which I live in, the culture to which I live in that, that tugs me back this way. And then not only that, but there's some agency of, of our ultimate enemy, Satan, that, that God's grace has to be so scandalous to confront those things. Those things are, are, are potent, are, are powerful in our lives. Here's Here's a lady by the name of uh, Susanna Wesley, and she had a couple youngins of her own, John and Charles Wesley. Maybe you've heard of them before. They're pretty famous in Christendom. And, and she looked at sin this way. I think this is a great definition. It helps me process a little bit. Take this rule, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes off your relish of spiritual things. In short, whatever increases the strength of the authority of your body over your mind, that thing is sin to you however innocent it might be in itself. I just think of that, that little... You know, when I brought Tori home, our, our first baby, when I brought her home, I, I had this uh, relative that said to me, ah, oh, what a beautiful bundle of iniquity. I'm kind of shocked by that at first. I was like, but then as I processed it, and he knew me well enough to like, to like have this conversation, I'm like, oh, that's, that's not untrue. It's a beautiful bundle, but like, think how selfish those little babies are that turn toddlers, that turn to children. And I look back at that moment when the nurse was patting her on the back and with a little smirk now. Like, yeah, there's probably more of that coming. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, man, there's got to be some discipline in that life because in our own nature, we are, we are turned towards sin iniquity transgression in that and so paul's just like you got to hear the bad news here let me say this too we will never be able to forgive others to follow jesus and to truly act with compassion until we realize how great the scandalous grace of jesus had to be to face off with my sin with my sin it's one of those questions like how would you define the dirt in your own life what that sound? What's the secret scandal that would be devastating if others found out? If all of a sudden what was on your phone accidentally slipped up on the big screen, and you're like, "Oh no, may that never happen!" Right? It's like God's grace is big enough to meet us right there in the scandal. And once we are overwhelmed by that, 
then it's from that core, when he opens up the eyes of our heart, to be able to then breathe life into other people's lives. We're there, too, walking that path as death, as though they're zombified, right? Okay, so it's one thing to like, this grace is scandalous. And all of us, he goes on, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of, of this sinful nature, following desire like, like the rest of us. We were, by nature, children of wrath. Like, God was willing to turn us over to the consequences of our own sin. That's bad news. Man, I do not want to reap the consequences of my own transgression, sin, and iniquity. But rather, the, the great news is this next that God is, is cosmic in His grace. It's, it's so proportioned. It's bigger than you can imagine. It's cosmic grace. Cosmic in its size. Let's go through this here. This may come as an awakening shock to some of us. But the world, the cosmos, does not resolve around you and me. There is some universal narrative playing out in every infant born into the world that learns the hard way. That our selfish, primal nature must eventually yield to this. The the world systems, the, the prince of the kingdom of the air. That there's something cosmic going on that's bigger than my story. That's bigger than your story. And here's where his grace faces off. It starts in verse 4, if you're still following along. So you get all of this bad news, and then finally the good news. But because of his great love for us, that's the word agape, by the way, it's his unconditional love, because of God's unconditional love for us, who is rich in mercy, like the wealth that he brings to the table, is this mercy, this mercy. It's it goes back to this Hebrew word of chesed. It's kind of like you got to clear your throat for it. And this, this word mercy is this kindred, loyal love. It's the kind of love that, that you would see with this, an elderly couple who, who's one of their spouses has kind of lost their, their mind or doesn't have memory anymore. And they visit them every day and it's not reciprocated. Like God's love is so much for us that, that even if it's not reciprocated, he loves us that much. It's this loyal love, that such a great love and rich in mercy, that he made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by this grace that you have been saved. There it is. It's by this grace that you've been rescued, that you've been pulled out of the dirt of your own life, that you've been cleaned off. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Heavenly places. Like it's not just our microcosm. Think about that baby in the, in the womb. And when that baby came out, it was just like, oh my goodness, this is a whole new world. I think they're freaking out not only because their digits and their arms are moving out, but now what are their eyes seeing? Can you, I mean, a universe before them. And now think of us. I think about baptism that you guys are having. It's like this picture of being born again in this whole new world, this whole new cosmos that is just loaded overloaded with the grace, this awakening grace that God has for us. It's huge. It's massive. So big that God has put us in a place to sit with him on the throne. I don't know if you caught that. He said, but what we are seated with him on the throne. You got to go back to chapter one, verse 20, where it says something about like Jesus is set on the throne at the right hand. What is at the right hand of the father except all power and authority and delegated muchness? 
And that he shares with us. Oh my goodness, that is cosmic in its size. And so often we minimize grace or we think we're entitled to grace, but it is costly that he would die, that he would take, take that upon himself to die, be buried and raised from the dead. That, that is costly. We're not entitled to that, but God gave his own son for us. That is grace on a cosmic level. Cosmic grace. I think of it this way too. Sometimes like if this is starting to snap for you and you think like, Man, this, this grace is big. It's, it's a big deal. Have you ever had your leg fall asleep? Like maybe you were cross-legged and you took your leg off and maybe you were at a, um, maybe you were at an event and, uh, you're like, you went to, you know, step up and you're like, oh, I'm going down if I step up. And so you don't want anybody to know. And so you kind of sit there slowly and you hope it like wakes up on its own or you start like hitting it. And it's that spiky sensation. How do you even describe that sensation when you finally get the blood flow back back in you? I think that's what grace does. It wrecks our categories, and it's hard to walk through. But once we see it, it's just like, I want to be able to stand again. I want to have this life after death that he's talking about. This is cosmic grace. It's, It's huge. That's a great, great love that he would make us alive in him. It's by this grace that we've been saved. That we are seated with Christ. And I don't, I don't know if you have ever done this before, but have you ever gotten on like Google Earth just to like zoom into your own house? Yeah, some of you have done that. Or you're checking out a certain person and you want to say, okay, let's not go there. But you've done the Google Earth thing where you've kind of zoomed around. Look, look what I found on Google Earth. Do you recognize it? Maybe it's, maybe it's recognizable. I'm standing in there. This is a pile of dirt. Actually, if you go on Google Maps or if you go on uh, like Apple Maps, it's all caught up. But this is actually real time. The Google Earth has not caught up to you. Isn't that kind of like mind-blowing? And if we could only think of God's grace as that mind-blowing, where he can take a pile of dirt and create some great life out of it. Hey, that reminds me of the Garden of Eden. Did God not take Adam, a pile of dirt, Inform him and breathe life into him. And God means to do that again, to bring dead things to life again. And oh my goodness, I don't have an after picture yet because you guys keep renovating here. But it's like, it's that idea. Like, and that is a true picture. Like God wants to keep that grace and keep opening up because the universe is so big. Think about that infant again. It's so big. It's so massive. In order that, and here's one of the whys, by the way. Like, why is God pulling this off? And he tells us, it's, it's, it's one of those, so that, in order that, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Like, that's why. He wants to show that, it's like that moment when I was in the, I can't imagine, I couldn't imagine before that and, until my little girl was born. And God's just like, yep, now imagine that on an epic narrative when I show off my grace in such a way that my kindness, my goodness, my rightness, it just overwhelms you. That is cosmic grace. That's what it looks like. It's like his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. All right, so so I, I, I get it, Phil, maybe that uh, grace is scandalous. It has to meet me in my sin. And it's big. It's, it's cosmic. But did you know that grace is also infectious? It's, it's meant to be infectious. How is it infectious? 
that we would trust and believe and yield and confess and give up in a way that, that just turns us in, in a way that is not from myself because I don't, it's not my default to be gracious. I'm, I'm more selfish in my, this is how it works. It's, it's because the way God works through grace, it is infectious. It is like, it's like the time that, that Tori first smiled at us. I don't know if you can imagine that or ever saw an infant the time the baby first smiled and you're like, oh, even though my wife said she just released herself. But but it's that idea that like, man, there's some emotion on the other side of all this heartache and this crying. And, and then when they begin to giggle, it's just like it's infectious. You begin to laugh because they're laughing. Have you ever been around a person like that? Where they just have this, sometimes it's a hideous laugh, but sometimes it's just like, oh, I can't help but like laugh because they are laughing. Or it's the mannerisms of, of some family. You ever seen some, some quirk in a family and it's like every one of them have it. And it's like hard to put your finger on it, but it's just like, oh, just because they're in proxy to each other and it happens in friend groups, you begin to use the same kind of vocabulary or language, the inside jokes, is because you've been hanging out with them. And that is what infectious grace does. Because it's not from ourselves. It's not from within ourselves. But when God opens up the core of us, when we're able to see from the eyes of our heart, it's infectious. And we can't help it but then to, to be gracious towards other people. Look at it real quick here. This is in verse 10. I'm going to read backwards here. That's Odd, I know, but his workmanship is a masterpiece created to be in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God created in advance for us to do. Like he has built within us to do and to be people that we aren't of ourselves. Like he had to work that in us. Verse 9, not by our own works. If you're following along, 9 is not by our own works, not how we do it, so that no one can boast. It's not about our humble bragging to be able to do it. And eight is, for by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved. It's like the record is broken. Paul's trying to nail that into us. The grace that saved us is through faith. It's through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not by works. I, I had this um, friend in, in college. His name was Joel. And a freshman year, when I first met him... Um, that first weekend, he had a, an alarm system that would go off. And it was just annoying. And it was like, wake up! And uh, we shortly had a powwow there after everybody in the dorms. It's like, you cannot let that happen again. Um, it was just that annoying. And so we didn't hear it for months. But there was this one morning when, when the alarm went off and everybody's alert. And uh, he's not in my room, but I could duck around. And, and the first time it went through, I'm like, he better shut that off. And so it didn't go off, and I get up, and I'm headed down the hallway, and this time as it's going off, I hear him start to, like, scream. Um, he had kind of a girly voice anyways, but his voice was cracking. He's like, get off of me! Get off of me! You're hurting me! And I'm just like, what is going on? Why is the alarm still going on? And so I duck around the corner, and about two or three of us had came in at that time, and, and uh, it's dark 30 still, early in the morning. And I realized Joel is really freaking out. Something is going on. And so I'm the first one kind of to his bed, and I'm hovering over top of him. And, and uh, he's, he's just freaking out. And someone flicks on the light, and he goes, Phil, get off of me. And his eyes just bug out, and he's crying. And he's like, get off of me. And I put my hands up like, it's not me. And the few guys around me are just like, they start to giggle, because I think they'd figured it out by that time, but I hadn't figured it out. 
And so I pull his covers down. I'm like, Joel, it's not me. What's going on? He's like, you're choking me. Get off of me. You're, you're choking me. Get off of me. And I could tell he was just like torn. Like he couldn't do for himself what he needed someone else to do. And what had happened? What had happened? What happened to Joel? He fell asleep in the middle of the night like this. And his arms fell asleep on him. So his alarm went off and he went to move towards his alarm and that spiky sensation started to hit his hand and it's like, oh, that hurts. And you're half awake, half asleep and it's just like, oh. And then what happens, you realize the weight of your arms, your dead hands are on you like this and it feels like someone is choking him. And so I slowly start to pry his fingers off and every time I pry his fingers off, what happens? It's the spiky sensation. It hits him. And so he's crying all the more. But I knew I had to help. I had to get him through this, right? Not that it was that devastating. A little drama for the morning. But it's that idea of like, do you get it? Do you get it? Like our perception of what grace is is so much smaller than what it really is. And we have to go through the hard work of discovering like, man, how have I, what is my mess? I, I, it's easy for me to look at other people's mess. But when I look at my own mess, it's like, I, I like to blame the world or I like to blame maybe Satan in it or something else, but am I willing to take a hard look at that grace that's willing to meet me in my own scandal? We have the worship team come up and we're going to pray and have a chance to process some of what we shared in Ephesians. But I hope, man, I hope that God's grace messes with you. I hope as your heart begins to open up that, that you see that, man, there are patterns in this world that, that aren't maybe healthy for you to stay in. And there is some nemesis. 35 plus times in the book of Ephesians, there is something that spoke about time and space that is otherworldly. And it's just not our default button to be thinking about that. Not that we want to blame the world. But there is some greater narrative going on in God's grace that, that he snuffed out at the, at the cross. He took at the cross on himself to, to take on for you, and for me, my sin, my transgression, my iniquity, that, those things which I twist and, and fall short in. Again, I think I'm entitled for grace. No, it is costly. Sometimes we look at grace through that lens. And no, it costs the Son of Man his life. In order to make dead things live again, he had to first die in our place. And until you're confronted with that, you will never be able to... Step towards other. You will always be shocked by other people's sin until you take your own sin into that light. Will you stand with me as we pray? God, help us as we process today. Your grace, your awakening grace, may we see it as like, ah, reaching into the depths and the darkness of who we are. May that be a challenge to us, God. Have I ever done that? Maybe we're here today and we've never like really... Then I'd rather stay in the numbness of my hands and my arms falling asleep. Or maybe I've just assented in my, in my knowledge of you, but I've never really taken to heart what Jesus has done for me. That he has paid the ultimate price. And the good news is that I don't just have to stay in my mess and my dirt, but he's provided a way to exchange and exchange. He does for us what we cannot do for himself. And God, that it would be like, ah, oh, you would open up our eyes that we would see how big, how vast the cosmos of your grace is. And that, God, you would restore a joy that it would be infectious, that it wouldn't be us trying so hard to follow you, but it, rather just spending time with you. It just causes us to be like you.
God, we, we pray that today in your name. Amen. As we continue to worship, I want to send this challenge to you. If you have never done that before, if you've never confronted your sin and you want to see what that's like and, and pray with someone to your right over here towards the wall, we'd be, we'd be glad to follow up with you and process that with you. If you're here and you just want some prayer, prayer, the prayer team that's ready over here on, on your left, I challenge you to do that. Be bold today. Be bold. Wake up. Wake up from that grace.